0: Uh, Good morning, it is 1130 on April, uh, Friday, April the 9th, and I have the uh, great pleasure of having Eric Hagen, who is the uh, Vice President of the Scottsville Medical Center, and uh, we've finally gotten together working out our schedule and so forth, so I really appreciate him uh, coming in today and just kind of talking about a lot of different things that he's been through in a regular year, and then of course COVID-19, so Eric, I appreciate you coming. And uh, do you uh, just kind of maybe a little bit of background information, just you know, or how you got to Scottsville Medical Center and all that?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm originally a native of Warren County. Um, I grew up there. My dad was in the military and when he got out of service, he ended up um, working at for the loom. And he's originally from the western part of the state. My mother's originally from the eastern part of the state and uh, it just seemed natural that I landed in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I grew up there and ended up marrying my high school sweetheart. Went in the Army for a couple years and uh, served active duty. I became a medic. That's how I got into healthcare. Oh, and wow. then um, after that, had mm-hmm. some college money from the Army and came back to Western. Went to Western's nursing program. Had uh, some people tell me there weren't a lot of guys going into nursing at that time. So uh, I went ahead and took the plunge, did that, and uh, never regretted it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fix-it type person, so I like being able to make a difference, helping out, you know, making things better. And, and that just seemed to fit right in line with what I like to do. So you are an RN by trade. I am. I am. I have worked in critical care uh, most of my nursing career. And then I transitioned from that into a quality program called Six Sigma. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Jack Welch at one time he used to be uh, in <laughs> yeah, charge of Yeah, he had something to do with you. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he and our CEO met and uh, talked about whether or not Six Sigma could be incorporated into healthcare, and they decided that it could be, and we sent some people out for some training, and those individuals came back as Master Black Belt trained uh, Six Sigma people, and they trained several of us to be Six Sigma Black Belts, and we had projects throughout our organization just looking at uh, different areas uh, to improve, and it was a great way to get uh, a good understanding of healthcare in other areas that I hadn't worked in, and then working with other uh, parts of our team members uh, that I didn't have interaction with as a clinician but uh, it really I think opened my eyes to what all we do outside of uh, what I was doing you know at the bedside. So um, that was my introduction to healthcare, and then uh, after that uh, had the opportunity to go into a management role and uh, got to see oversee some clinical areas and then was asked by Miss Smith if I would come over to Scottsville, and I was more than happy to do that. And uh, it's been great uh, being here ever since. Uh, since then, I've had the opportunity to take on some other responsibilities. I've worked with some of our services and service lines in Bowling Green, and now currently I'm the vice president for the rural hospitals and work with our hospitals at Albany, uh,
0: mm-hmm. the one at
1: Horse Cave, and then the Medical Center at Franklin, and then we have a specialty hospital over in
0: um, Bowling Green as well. So Franklin, too, is included in your uh, area. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. That might be a little better. I'm adjusting the equipment, you all. And uh, well, so um, were you here when they built the medical center? I mean, how was that? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about the history of
1: it. Yeah. So I was not here when they built the medical center. Um, actually, I did not join the medical center until uh, January of 96. So I've been with the medical center for 25 years this year. Um, but all that transition was taking place in 93, 94. Oh. And, um, and so the facility was already here when I arrived uh, in great order. A very beautiful facility. We appreciate uh, Mr. Turner for donating some of his farms so that we could have a, a great place to build a hospital in the nursing facility. Um, I think he and some others that were on the board determined that it was important enough to keep the hospital here in Allen County to to make a commitment to do that.
0: Well, and, I, and my, I'm going to kind of... Uh, segue into the impact of the medical center on the community, but the, one of the things that uh, I don't think folks understand uh, is the um, impact that having a hospital uh, in your community. Because I'm from the eastern part of the state, and we're a good 45 minutes away from any type of ER, any type of you know, uh, any type of services like that at all, especially on 24 seven, know, you know, seven days a week. And I think that you know, one of the things that Or some of the things that, um, you know, employers, uh, people moving to your area look at are education and and medical, especially as the demographics, the older, as they age, they want to be close to hospitals. I know that's the way my mom feels. You know, she's two minutes away. And I think that that, to me, is is such an asset to a community to have the type of network that medical center in general represents.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Um, You know, over 9,000 times a year. And, and you know, I hate to even say this, but over 9,000 times a year, people need emergency services. And to be able to get that here locally does make a difference. Um, we were having a conversation the other day, and we're working with uh, Allen County EMS on this. We're working towards an acute stroke readiness hospital uh, designation or certification. And one of the things that came up was, <clears throat> you know, just given the convenience of access to other larger facilities, does it make sense to stop at the ER here or to go on to the to the next hospital and one of the experts uh, that that helps us with this program and getting this program up and going had mentioned that for every minute you delay care that you lose 1.9 million brain cells and um, if you think about that times 20 minutes at the shortest or 30 minutes you know on average um, that's 40 to 60 million
0: brain cells. Now
1: I don't know about you, Mayor, but I can't afford to lose one. <laughs> no, no <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I think I've lost a
0: plenty. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. If you're 45 minutes away from any type of care,
1: right? And you know, and there's there's a lot of standards out there as far as standards of care, as far as timeliness in which you get certain treatments implemented for things like stroke or even people that have heart attacks. Uh, you know, getting getting them treatment in a timely manner. And you know, the one thing that I think people may not realize is actually. If you come to our facility, we can help facilitate getting you to that next level of care probably just as fast, if not faster. And here's why. We have established relationships with specialists, whether it's cardiologists, pulmonologists, neurologists, neurosurgeons, whoever that person needs. uh, We have that established relationship with them. And if for whatever reason that were to fail and we were not able to reach out to them directly and get them to take that person right then, we have our hospital medicine program in Bowling Green and we have the same ER group in Bowling Green. And so, worst case scenario, we will get
0: them to whatever specialist that they need immediately. Wow. I mean, that's that's it's interesting because time is literally, you know, it's life and death, right? And time you have the opportunity to to seek any uh information or care, uh the more the odds are better that you're going to survive. I mean, or what I mean is that what we're kind of
1: Yeah. So, and and it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's not necessarily just um, life or death. It's, it's quality of life. Sure. And so, you know, there are certain situations that um, timeliness will impact whether or not somebody has the same functional ability that they they currently have. And, you know, and that, and sometimes, you know, people look at the quality of life just as much as they look at quantity of life.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, accidents, uh, you know, this is a big farming community, different thing. Anything can happen like that. And you're right. I mean, it could maybe, uh, salvaging regain. a limb. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, so I might just think these are things that, I mean, I guess a lot of people don't necessarily think about, but they can appreciate it. If you've had any, uh, dealings with the medical centers, because I know I have through my mother and I just want to tell you that it's a first class facility. The people that work there are very professional and they care and they really do. And then that's no put on. They really yeah. do. You can tell.
1: Well, and you know, and we do take pride in that. So, when you think about a rural facility, obviously, and 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 I think a lot of this has evolved and changed over time. Uh, but at one point in time, if you were from Allen County, you thought you needed to go to Bowling Green. If you were from Bowling Green, you thought you needed to go to Nashville. If you were from Nashville, you thought you needed to go to Atlanta. And if you were from Atlanta, you thought you had to go to Houston. But um, you know, a lot of that has changed, and a lot of it's because technology has changed, and, and people have access to care more convenient and, and and easier to access closer to home. And I think, you know, being close to home is very important. And I I, I think another statistics that kind of reigns uh, that fact uh, true is that, you know, we have on average, um, more than 6,500 patient days. And so essentially we have more than 17 and a half patients in our hospital any given day. Um, because they want to be close to home, and it's it's sure. better for their family, it's better for their peace of mind and, and their uh, mental well being to have family close by. Um, and so, having uh, access to care right here. And and when I say that, it's not just primary care, and it's not just uh, post surgical care, and and those type of things. It's having access to specialists by means of telemedicine, or specialists that come on site uh, to Scottsville and and come by to visit them while they're in the in the hospital, but. Being able to have that same care here locally uh, makes a big difference to families and, and to the patients.
0: Well, I mean, you have the facilities there. You know, you have an orthopedic that comes, you have a cardiologist, you have a pulmonary. I mean, all those things are available right. on a local level. Right. And, you know, a lot of people may, for whatever reason, can't get to Bowling Green, but they still have that same professional care because if you went to Bowling Green, you still see the same doctors. Right. Or, you know, and so I think that, I mean, that to me, that's it. It's peace of mind. And the fact that they can stay here if they have to be in the hospital because family. You're right. Psychologically, it's nice to be around the family, and I think that that's a that's a huge plus. And uh, I mean, is it amazing to you though, since you were you know started as an RN, so the technological leaps and bounds that have been made, even right now?
1: Oh, a- absolutely. So before I leave that other point though, I, I, okay, I, I just want to sure. go back to what we were saying, and you know, when I was talking about, it used to be a time where you used to feel like you had to go somewhere else, to a larger facility, to get that care. Um, one thing that we have instilled over the years with our team is that, you know, the one way that we have an advantage over those other facilities is that personal touch. We typically know who's coming through our door. Mm -hmm. It's either a friend or a family member or, you know, a family member's friend. Um, And so we have that personal connection. And and at the end of the day, uh, a lot of times people don't even know what's supposed to be taking place as far as their medical care. But what they do know is whether or not that person cares about them.
0: That's an excellent point about the local contacts and so forth. And I think and and it's putting people at ease because they don't normally in the hospital. I mean, they're nervous or something's wrong, you know, so if they see a a familiar face or they make the contact through the family lineage or whatever you want to say, how you say that, I think that's that's another excellent point. And uh, Medical Center has certainly done a lot to uh, put facilities in local communities, you know. Yeah,
1: and so we've been very fortunate. Um, as an organization, Med Center Health has not actively gone out and, and pursued any specific community, um, but have been available. And, and so just like here in uh, Allen County, uh, we had an opportunity where we were approached by Simpson County and then subsequently by um, Caverna or, or Horse Cave, and then most recently our facility over in Clinton County. And, and I think it's because we try to be good partners and good stewards of the care that we provide, um, to those communities. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, we understand we're a nonprofit organization. uh, So we're not beholden to any stockholders. Um, So whatever we do, as as far as uh, anything we generate in revenue, we reinvest that in our people, in our technology, or expanding the services or care that we provide. So, you know, it's good to be able to work. I worked on the other side (laughs) and, uh, and I've seen how that goes, but, um, but I, I will tell you, it makes you feel good about what you do.
0: I think that, I mean, it's just it's just a home run as far as I'm concerned. I mean, and it seems to me like that, you know, you don't hide the passion about the company and what you're doing. And I think that that's the, the projection I've had from other, you know, nurses, doctors, all those kind of NER and so forth. And I think that people feel that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You
1: were asking me what all has changed over, over the years. And um, it, it's exciting to see as an organization – uh, where we've come from and, and where we are now and, and where we're going in that um, we're always looking for how we can provide more services, better services, better care, um, you know, where it's more convenient, easier to access. Um, I, I remember there was a time when, when I was uh, taking care of patients in critical care areas and, and, you know, in, in any given day that situation can, you know, can get busy. And I I used to remember I'd write the same thing down probably about 4 or 5 times and and I thought to myself if there was just a way for me to say something and and it, it automatically transcribe it or for me to put it down one time and it went the, the other 4 or 5 places how wonderful would that be and I'm going to tell you that's that's happening today it is and it's it's amazing and it's great uh, because so many more people want that information so you have obviously the payers that need that information. Uh, you have other medical professionals that need that information. Uh, and now, you know, we have the ability of people sign up through our patient portal where they can have access to their medical records, you know, almost immediately. And, and so it, it is, it is nice to see that I don't have to write that stuff down four or five times or our clinicians don't have to do that. And they can just focus on actually providing the care that somebody needs.
0: Now, I think it's great. And you brought up a great point about the uh, patient portal. I mean, you know, you go have your uh, regular uh, tests, you know, labs, and, all, and th- those results are up, and you can see them for yourself. And I think, you know, that's something uh, that is really has kind of come to the forefront is personal, ac- user friendly uh, access to your own records.
1: And, yeah, and so there's actually something that just came about, um, and and it has different components to it. But part of the Cures Act is uh, something that addresses interoperability and and it references the uh, that portion of it as information blocking. It's actually just the opposite of it. It's ensuring that there's not information blocking so that if a patient comes to the hospital or to our clinic and they need that information to go to their primary care provider or to a specialist, that there is a process in which you can make that happen immediately or very timely, um, usually less than 24 hours. And so we've been working on that and and. We're in line with uh, those expectations, and so we're we're making a big push right now to get everybody to sign up for the patient portal. And so we're asking for email addresses instead of physical addresses. We're asking for that too, but sure. but it's just as important that we get a current email address so that you can get updates and notifications about when your information's available.
0: Well, it saves a phone call or the logistics of doing that. It's just you know it's immediate. You yes. know, it would just by you know by email or by you know by the patient portal. Now, is there an app that's involved in that? There is,
1: and when we get that email at registration, uh, you automatically get a link to that app, and Mm you get a QR code so that you can scan that, and um, and it'll take you right to it.
0: I think it's great. Um, So, um, what are some of the initiatives? I guess maybe personally, that maybe you're proud of that you've been a part of. I mean, I don't. uh, That's a kind of a broad question, but I mean, I'm sure there are some things that you have gotten the opportunity to implement, initiate and so forth since you've been the uh, vice president.
1: Yeah, so you know obviously the thing um, I'm most proud of is obviously our team and, and their attitude. So their heart and their head are always in uh, to what what we can do better. And so one of the initiatives that we're working on currently is becoming a high reliability organization. And when you talk about being a high reliability organization, Um, there's a lot of things that have to happen uh, to be one. And obviously um, communication is very important in healthcare. making sure that you have transparent um, communication, timely communication that gets to the right people. Um, And then in addition to that, um, just having a culture of safety, you know, making that being the first thing you think of whenever Mm -hmm. we're doing something, whether it's implementing new technology or new services or changing the way you do things, um, or you know just how how we go about doing the normal processes each day, so you know that's an exciting thing to be part of. It goes back to my Six Sigma days and and trying to <laughs> eliminate any any room for any potential errors. Um, but we uh, we're, we're we're heading in the right direction and everybody's on board with that and they want to do it for the right reasons. And so that's that's probably the most proud initiative that I can think of right now. But you know we have some other things um, we've we've understood that we're going to have to start advancing uh, the level of care that we provide. And for several reasons, one, uh, going back to what we were saying, I think people's expectations is that they have access to a higher level of care closer to home where it's easier to access, more convenient. Um, But in addition to that, the payers are starting to push that. So there's, you know, some initiatives called uh, hospitals at home, where essentially that we're going to have to figure out how we're going to provide hospital level care in somebody's home. And, and and again, they're already doing some of these projects, these pilot projects, but it won't be long before that becomes the standard of care. I, I'm guessing that's interesting. Yeah, I'm guessing mayor you're you're probably like me if if you could be in your home and get that care that you need you would probably prefer to be in where a comfortable surrounding or familiar surroundings. I would say
0: the majority of the people would like to do that. Cuz yeah. actually that's kind of part of the healing process anyway is yes. being in familiar surroundings, correct?
1: Exactly. Exactly, especially if you have somebody that um you know maybe has An altered mental status or you know if you put them in a unfamiliar setting can Mm -hmm. become confused and so yeah anything you can do to help prevent that helps with the healing but you know i think at the same time um you know there are still going to be people that need to be in the hospital and then making sure that we can provide a higher level of care our main facility in bowling green obviously serves as a regional medical center um, and they take all kinds of complex cases and so anything that we can do that we can manage locally, it would be beneficial to them and to those patients sure. that need that, that level of care um, so that we're not causing delays in care or any bottlenecks over there. So we've done some things. We've advanced uh, some of our cardiac care. Uh, we're able to take care of people that have heart failure. And unfortunately, that's not something that goes away or, or typically gets cured. And so they have flare-ups and they have to be treated. Uh, we're able to take care of people that have uh, some acute diabetic episodes and and try to manage that locally instead of having to send them automatically somewhere else where it's not as easy or convenient for their families. Um, And then same thing with our respiratory care. We've advanced some of our respiratory care, and then obviously with the pandemic situation, uh, we had to figure out how to take care of of complex infection prevention or, or COVID patients here locally. And so and we've done a great job with that. And when I say that, I, I'm not saying that to boast or brag, but I, I say that because, um, you know, I'm very proud of the team and how they've ensured not just the safety of the patients and and not just the patients that had COVID, but patients that didn't have COVID from getting COVID, and then also ensuring the safety of their teammates, making sure um, that they didn't get COVID. So being able to accomplish all that and meet the needs of what was going on as a,
0: in, you know with
1: the pandemic uh, was was really
0: well. I mean, you know, and I, I, and I don't know. We may add more to this because it's kind of talking about the pre-COVID nineteen, and then, and then during the you know COVID. But you know, the thing about it is staffing issues. I mean, with the social distancing uh, and the contact uh, tracing, I mean, you could literally take out four or five, uh, you know, CNAs, RNs. I mean, that's possible because you're working in a close knit setting. So that really may be pressures you, in, or it, it kind of, I don't know, with this type of staffing, I mean, that can really.
1: Yeah, and and you're right. I think, you know, across the nation, people have had to reevaluate how they were doing staffing and their staffing model and, and using different concepts like team, team nursing uh, uh, concepts for care. But um, you're right. I mean, some of it was, um, you know, regulated as far as if somebody had an exposure, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but if somebody had an exposure, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily – sick but um but they didn't need to be around others for the fear that they somebody else could get sick from that um and so that that put us at you know at, at a challenge and then also to compound that um the pandemic i think caused a lot of people in healthcare care to get out of healthcare. and you know there was the fear of, sure. of what they Absolutely. might become exposed to and then we already had been dealing with the nursing shortage for several years and and we don't anticipate that to change unfortunately in, in the uh, near future so all those things combined um has made it a little bit challenging, but I will tell you, um, we've had people step up when we needed and the people that were healthy and able to work Mm -hmm. and it didn't have restrictions would fill in those needs. And um, it, it, it's very uh, you know, it's, it's very amazing that um, that our team was able to accomplish what they did.
0: Is there anything that's come out of the uh, COVID-19 protocols and so forth that, Actually, we found it worked better even pre-COVID, and maybe things you may use in the future. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so I would tell you the number, and there wasn't any experimental time either. It's Like you got to, you know, you got to yeah. throw
0: yourself in. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. Well, you know, I think um, I think if nothing else, it has really hit home how important it is for all of us uh, to use uh, the things that we've heard about as far as some of the safeguards with you know, whether it's, uh, sneezing into your sleeve or, uh, washing your hands or, you know, uh, social distancing or, you know, making sure that, um, you know, you're wearing a mask if it's appropriate. I, I think, you know, you look at the number of flu cases or the lack of flu right. cases this yes. year, uh, that obviously, uh, has been impacted by some of the me- measures that we put in place, but also too, you know, there was technology out there that, um, people just had not adopted. It had been around for a little sure. while, um, that this forced us to, to adopt and use that technology, and it has been wonderful. And and so, for example, the telemedicine we're talking about, we had, you know, whether it was patients not adopting the technology, or even physicians or nurse mm-hmm. practitioners were want, not wanting to adopt it, or or the personnel in the hospital not wanting to adopt it. Realize now we need to adopt that, oh, yeah. and and we have to we have to use that technology to its fullest. And then and some of the uh, the infection prevention equipment that's available now and, and, you know, to have Halton here locally that manufactures, you know, the UVG uh, products and and we have four of those at at the hospital now. And, and, you know, this is an airborne disease. I mean, you can't see it. Um, you know, you, you don't even know if you're around it and it's, you know, you're in the presence of it, but to have a unit that actually filters that air around you and, and others, uh, to safeguard and protect you, uh, has been, you know, it's provided a lot of peace of mind, and then obviously it's doing a very good job. So,
0: well, and, and Halton is, you know, they're I mean, of course, they're a worldwide company, but they have a, a two, two, or three, two locations right here in Scottsdale. I mean, and to have access <coughs> to that kind of technology right here, I mean, literally, you can pick up and they can, you know, right here. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It it is it is truly amazing. And this turn has changed their model a little bit too, because they're mainly into, uh, you know, uh, vending for uh, restaurants, those kind of things. Uh, I, so it's that's a whole different ball game, I assume, for them.
1: Oh, I I would imagine, I would imagine, you know, and I think all of us are looking at, um, especially if you have large groups or uh, populations, <coughs> me, looking at how we can incorporate some of that same technology through our air handling systems mm-hmm. um, in our major sure. air handling systems. And I I think it won't be long before that becomes more of a standard, uh, sort of like what has happened with the evolution of cars and, you know, where we've gone from safety belts to airbags to they're driving themselves. I, I think um, <clears throat> I think we're going to see something along the same lines with some of these infection prevention me- measures and technology.
0: Well, and the thing is, um, you know, normally things take longer. I mean, you know, whatever. Even, you know, the vaccine was, you know, with the acceleration rate of, in of and, and course, you know, there is a uh, physical, uh, re, you know, implications of, in, you know, new equipment, new technology, but you know, really, if you were going to stay in business and operate, you basically had to evolve into that. And oh, so as we were kind of not forced, well, kind of forced into, but it accelerated the process.
1: Yeah. They say that's, uh, <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're right. I, I think, um, you know, it's hard to change. Most of us, you know, have uh, – we're creatures of comfort, and we have certain things that we're familiar with that we're used to, and, 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 you know, to just change on our own, most of us probably wouldn't do some of these things. But um, so it, in some some ways it has been positive in that it's it's forced us to look at how we can do things better. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, in the beginning uh, when all this started, and, and I think even today I was having this conversation with somebody – Prior to our, our, our conversation, um, there's still a lot of unknown, right? For I mean, sure. I think we can say um, as, as we hear uh, information coming out, <clears throat> whether it's from the FDA or CDC or, or the current administration, um, things are changing. <laughs> you are. Know, and one day it may be one way, another day. But it's sort of like eggs. You know, one day they're good for you, another day they're not.
0: Um, and so, <laughs> good analogy. <laughs> so, um, so,
1: you know, I think there's still a lot we don't know. But I, I will say in the beginning, I think the, the mango was obviously on prevention, and I don't know that that needs to change. Um, but now that we have the vaccine uh, to help protect people uh, against uh, getting the virus, and then also now that we have treatment to help fight the virus, Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely in a much better place. I think um, mentally, I think people being able to get back out and doing some things that they had done previously is good for the mental health. And I think it's just good for our society in general. Um, You know, I can't imagine uh, the hardships that parents and and students have right now, what they're going through. Uh, Healthcare workers uh, obviously have gone through a lot of that. And, 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 and that's just a couple of groups. I know that everybody has had to deal with this in their own way. So, um, I think we're definitely getting to a better place, and, uh, and I definitely see the light on the horizon. You know, I don't want us to let our guards down. I still no. encourage people to take the vaccine sure. if they haven't done that and still uh, want to make sure that people know about the treatment that's available and, and, and not just stay home. You know, it, you never know how this virus is going to affect you, so, you know, just don't take any chances with it.
0: Well, now, um, basically now they've got it down to what? 16 and above or maybe even, or, or, you know, younger than that. I don't know. So we're getting, you know, we're getting down into the, you know, yeah. the young.
1: So, and that's a great point. So now we know that, uh, of course, Pfizer got approved for their, their studies when they started out. Uh, they were doing that on 16 and older. And so you can take the Pfizer vaccine if, if you're 16 and older. They are actually doing a study or have, they're in their third phase of a study where I think uh, ages 12 to 15, they're showing about 100% efficacy as far as protecting them uh, from getting the virus and spreading the virus. So that's that's pretty amazing, and that's that's good, I think, as we think about schools returning uh, back to in-person sure. sessions and, and having that option available to, to parents and students I think will be a good thing for the schools and the education system. Um, right now, I think they're still waiting on some data from Moderna and some of the others and Johnson & Johnson and, and others for uh, age groups below 18 years old. But just to have... Um, those vaccines readily available now and, and the others that are out and, and coming out, um, we're definitely making a dent in, in being able to get back to
0: the way things were before the pandemic. When you look at the numbers and so forth, they are tending to go down. So, um, and just touch a little bit. I, and I, I talk about the infusion treatment about every uh, broadcast, but just a little, you know, a brief how that works and what, you know, who is affected and who's the most likely candidate and so forth.
1: Sure. So, this is, um, this is a little bit different type of treatment. Um, so it, it has the same principle in that, um, uh, you have antibodies that are fighting off the virus, uh, as opposed to an antibiotic, uh, that's, you know, helping, um, help fight at the virus and attacking the virus directly. You're actually introducing antibodies into the system that, that target uh, the COVID virus. And, and, you know, there's a couple of different ways in which you can build up, um, immunity or an active response to the virus, obviously one is getting exposed to it and your body building up um, its own antibodies naturally. The other one is to take the vaccine and your body senses that and, and starts building antibodies to address the vac, uh, the virus if you were to get infected with it. And then the last one is if you actively have the virus introducing the antibodies and still waiting for your body to produce it, introducing the antibodies to fight it. And, and so the, the nice thing is to be able to give that um, monoclonal antibody infusion to immediately address that ideally. And, and, and I'm not, I, you know, there's not truly a science on this, but I would tell you, ideally, if you get that within 24 to 48 hours, you're, you're probably going to be in
0: pretty good shape. Well, that's what I've been broadcasting because it said, you know, the ideal candidate is 24 to 48 hours. If you, know, yeah. but, but it has to be you have to be referred to by your primary doctor. I mean, there's, there there's, criteria to meet that right so you know
1: just like with antibiotics and and antivirals that you don't necessarily just want to give that prophylactically Mm -hmm. Um, although although they are doing some research on that and specifically with uh, long-term care residents and maybe giving that giving uh, the MAI to them prophylactically but the ideal situation is to uh, verify that somebody does have the virus and that way, when you are giving them the antibodies that you know you're giving them, you know, what they need to fight the virus. And so it does, uh, because there are some other considerations with this medication, uh, it does require that a physician or a nurse practitioner, your provider, um, verify that, one, you have it, and that, two, you meet the criteria based on the research that was done on, on this treatment prior to getting approved. All of the, the vaccine and the treatment are still under the immune emergency use authorizations and so Mm -hmm. technically they haven't technically been approved
0: uh, by the fda for So is it almost kind of experimental the whole thing right i mean in not in the sense experimental but yet they're still learning uh as you go along with different treatments and so forth
1: yeah you know and I, i don't think that the way they've gone about things in the past was necessarily bad but um but, you know, to say that you have to have five years of data or 10 years mm-hmm. of data before you introduce treatment. And, you know, I think about, for instance, with cancer patients, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would be willing to take a treatment early on and Absolutely. Uh, still in that experimental phase. Um, and, and and just like with this, with this essentially being a life or death uh, situation for some people, uh, we really didn't have the luxury of waiting for 10 years to see what 10 right. years looks like. But when I think about, and, and, and I won't speak to all the vaccines, but when I think about the way that the, monoc- or the um, Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine works, um, it really, hopefully the people that are not truly pro-vaccine um, find some comfort in that, one, it doesn't have any preservatives, and, and that's a concern because a lot of the preservatives, the mercury and some other things are what people are concerned about, uh, spe- specifically with children too um but it also doesn't have um the um some of the, uh, the cells human cells uh mm-hmm. to develop that so hopefully um you know hopefully people that typically don't take vaccine will be more inclined to at least consider the Pfizer and the Moderna because of, of those things
0: yeah and I think you know the peace of mind and the fact that I don't know it, it you know people do want to get out you know I think we found out that we we're a a social society more than we realize, because when you're <laughs> isolated and literally quarantined, you know it's like you know I got to have a little you know social contact. So that's, but and I think that you're right. I think that the vaccine is just another tool uh, to give people a little bit more uh, opportunity uh, for freedom to get out and move around in society. Not I don't know so normal, but getting back to some type of you know because I don't think we're ever going to be back to whatever that. I don't even know what the definition of normal is now. Right, but, right. Yeah, you're normal, yeah. no, uh, you're right.
1: So uh, you know, I'm I'm more introverted, and so if you can get me to speak for three minutes, you're doing pretty good. So when you asked for thirty minutes today, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, well, that's a big ask. But at the same time, I, I was eager to get out, and I was eager to sure. see you, and 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 uh, get back to some sense of normalcy. So I sure. appreciate you. Well,
0: I mean, the information that you're giving here, I mean, you know, it's it, you're educating the uh, community about the medical center, Scottsdale. I mean, they, they know it's where it's at, and so forth, but. um so what do you see uh, in the future as far as there any type of, um, I mean, like is the medical center considering, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm thinking expansion or whatever, but just nothing. I mean, just whatever they're looking at for the future of, of Scottsville. Yeah.
1: So we, we have several things in the works right now. Um, one of the things that we'll be uh, sharing information about shortly is bringing back some more general surgery services here locally. Uh, we currently are doing some endoscopy and some sm- smaller procedures, but we've invested in some equipment. We have two great surgeons, Dr. Darren Passer and, and Dr. Tracy Cross, that come over here. Um, and when I say they're great surgeons, they're, they're great people too. I mean, they're, they're probably some of the most personal people you can meet. Um, but, so we're going to start offering the convenience of some general surgery here. Um, We're also, we've just brought on Dr. Bergamini, David Bergamini, excellent urologist, and uh, he's going to start offering some smaller procedures here as well. Um, And then, of course, we're in the process of recruiting. We just hired a new nurse practitioner, Crystal McCain. She'll start Monday. Uh, She's going to help us out uh, with Cal Turner, with some of the residents over there, and with our swing beds, and she'll be in the clinic. Uh, And then she may also pitch hit for some of our outreach services that we do with sports medicine or school-based clinics or um, um, Ahmed. So, um, so those are some things that are on the radar. Uh, obviously we're, uh, you know, all the time looking at our equipment and seeing what we need to do to update that. So we're looking at probably within the next year or so bringing in a new CT scanner and that's going to provide the ability to have more imaging done here locally so that you don't have to travel somewhere to get that done. Uh, we just purchased a new, um, a new x-ray machine and, and it was neat. I was talking to somebody actually I was talking to a rad tech over in, um, Uh, Albany about about that machine and she was just talking about being able to see the image right then and there and she was talking about in the case of somebody that was having surgery and being able to take the x-ray right then the doctor being able to see it and say yeah everything looks good you know let's keep going but the other thing too is with the pandemic and with COVID-19 being able to do the x-ray and see what somebody's lungs look like and know immediately what we're dealing with is very beneficial so you know, just looking at those type of things, uh, we're introducing some other equipment uh, for our medication administration system. What people may not be aware of is um, when you get medication, there's a little bit that goes behind that before you actually get that medication. One is making sure that a pharmacist reviews that and make sure that you don't have any contraindications why you shouldn't get that medication, that it's you know prescribed the right amount the right way, and then the nurse that delivers that medication, there's a, some things going on in the background. She is actually taking that, looking in somebody's profile on the computer, making sure that that medication is there and making sure that, you know, it's prescribed the way it's supposed to. And then she's scanning that at the bedside to make sure again, that it's the right medication somebody's supposed to get the right way. Um, So implementing some of those safety measures goes back to that high reliability organization I was talking about Um, where, you know, I think I'd mentioned, we, we just, uh, started our Facebook page. so I think that's cool. Yeah, we want to make sure that people are aware of what's going on. Uh, We joke around, and it's really a bad joke. I used to tell people that we do a lot of things well except for tell people what we do well. And, uh, And somebody said, hey, we better start doing better at that. And so, um, yeah, so we'll have, we'll have things on there where, you know, we'll have, uh, spotlights of our employees, why they got into healthcare sure. to tell their story. And, and, you know, that's a family or friend. And and if somebody has an interest in healthcare, maybe that'll uh, spark their interest uh, and maybe stay here too, uh, to provide healthcare. Um, but also as we introduce new providers, like we were talking about, you know, making sure people are fully aware of them or any services, um, you know, I hate to even admit this, but there are times I'll talk with somebody in the community and they'll say, I didn't know you did that there. Yes. Sir. And uh, and you and I were talking about, you know, we think that sometimes if we put an ad in the paper, we run something on the radio or even put a billboard up, <laughs> that that's enough to tell everybody. But uh, we've got to do a better job at that. So uh, so there's some, some of the thoughts.
0: Well, the you know, and that's why one of the things, and I told you this earlier, I was like, you know, the one thing I hate to hear is, well, I didn't know that. So, but you know now there's you know there's so many opportunities for social media, print, you know, uh, audio, all those kind of things, and you know I think and you're you're going in the right direction too. We're trying to hit on all those cylinders because you know a lot of people may read the paper, but they don't have Facebook or they don't you know listen to the radio. So you're trying because you do want because all those people, especially in your case, would be affected by those services at some point or a family member.
1: Right. And so just like we were talking earlier about the stroke, acute stroke ready hospital, um, you know, I, I want to make sure because it's very important going back to how timeliness is important with that care. I want to make sure that everybody, everybody knows that that that's available or, or is going to be available. Um, same thing with, uh, we're working towards trauma designation and, and just making sure that if somebody has a trauma injury, they understand that, you know, we're going to be able to provide that first level of care that they need. Um, and then, you know, just other things, for convenience sake, um, you know, it's not always convenient for somebody to go somewhere else to get uh, some type of, uh, whether it's lab work or imaging uh, service done or even therapy. I mean, we have phenomenal physical
0: therapists. You today. do. And I can say firsthand that, you know, that out there it's unbelievable what they do out there. Yeah, and
1: yeah. and our, our physical therapists, our occupational therapists, our speech therapists, the way they coordinate and collaborate <laughs> care for somebody's therapy – um, they ensure that somebody gets back to the best condition, and, and you know I got a couple of stories that were just amazing. We, I mean, we had a couple of people that were bilateral amputees, and and um, and not only did not only did they get that person walking, but they actually reached out to get that person the prosthetics when they didn't have insurance or mm-hmm. you know didn't have a means to get that. And so, um, you know, that speaks a lot to. Uh, how much they
0: invest in the care that they provide well, I mean the attitude when you walk through in that big room out there and you've got six people doing different things at different stations, I mean you can tell the camaraderie um the positive environment that they you know and and that's you know as the thing goes you know when people are in physical therapy, you know usually they're not in the you know best mood or they're you know they're going through something, and i mean it's just they it' it's almost like they're cheerleading them, and they may are they really are in a way you know oh
1: you're exactly right, i'd say probably. 99% of the people that get therapy yes. are having some exactly. type of pain. <laughs> and maybe, you know,
0: especially when they're just starting to maybe like coming off of surgery and they're starting to actually having to move or, you know, whatever. So it's a little bit, you know, painful or whatever. And they're, but I mean, you know, and the patients, I mean, and I mean that the patience of the personnel is amazing because I'm thinking, I just don't know if I could take that or not, but right. you know, because they're people are frustrated and they understand that. So that's part of, you know, of their job and so forth. But yet, it's not really. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I feel like they don't really think of it as a job. No,
1: I. I agree, and they're very personable. I think uh, mm-hmm. you hit on that earlier, but uh, probably the most important thing about a therapist is their ability to have a relationship with that individual, yes. because they are going to have to, to your point, convince them it's worth the pain and the energy and the effort to do this.
0: And, yeah, it's and a trust factor.
1: It is a big trust factor. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it's just. But I. I, I admire that because you know if anybody's been involved with with people that don't feel well or are coming off, you know, it's, eh, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get to at least to a level where they're comfortable and uh, they're feeling like maybe they are making some progress, right. You know, but, um, so, um, okay. I got to ask you one personal note. Okay. So a couple of years ago, maybe it was three years ago. When was it that you all did the big, uh, was it 200 miles, uh, oh. <laughs> in Lexington? You had a team that went down cause you're, are you still running? I, I am. Um, not as much
1: as I was then, but yeah, uh, we had some, some, some of our team members yeah. were here local, Kathy yeah. and, and Seth and, and Stephanie. Um, yeah. So we, uh, we did something called the bourbon chase. It's, it's a 200 mile relay, um, that, uh, you do, you can have up to 12 team members. Our coach decided we were going to have 10 <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you run essentially for 36 hours straight and you have to complete 200 miles. And, um, and yeah, it was it was definitely uh, one of the most memorable experiences I have as a runner. Uh, and and I would tell you, a great group of people. Uh, everybody knows Kathy at, at our chamber, and she's a phenomenal person. Seth and Stephanie are, are phenomenal people as well. And but it, it, you went through, uh, <laughs> I guess, the Bourbon Trail. You went through, you know, the the exchanges uh, exchange sites where some of the distilleries, and you handed off the. Essentially, baton or sure, or, uh, you changed
0: people at that. But point. you're running in the middle of the night out in horse country or whatever. Oh I mean, oh my
1: gosh! So, <laughs> so and and I love this guy actually, Jeff Schnell, Jeff and Shannon. Uh, there are a couple of podiatrists. They were uh, they were coming over uh, to discuss with actually one of their partners is coming here now. But uh, Jeff was our coach, and and so Jeff had talked me into uh, doing this, and and yeah. So when he told me about it, I thought, well, you know, it's not going to be that bad. But what he didn't tell me was we were actually going to spend all 36 hours in a van, all 10 of us. (laughs)
0: So everyone who was not running, they were in the van? Yeah. So you all were following the runner? Yeah, we were leapfrogging.
1: Wow. And, and, uh, of course, we had all of our drinks and and everything piled up and, you know, some changes of clothes and that kind of stuff. It
0: made you feel like you were, like, I don't know, back in the Army or back in college. You were, like, (laughs) giving you a bunch of stuff, a community thing. It it made me feel exactly like I was
1: in the Army. Yeah, and I thought, you know, that's why I got out of the Army and went to college. But no, it it was it was a memorable experience, and again, uh, that whole group was they were wonderful people. Uh, it was, you know, I had run uh, three marathons uh, before that, and and I thought, you know, I can split up seven miles here, eight miles there, four miles here over the course of thirty six hours. No big deal. It's easy, mm-hmm. you know. And so when they said we're going to sleep in the van, I thought, that's eh, still no big deal. But I'm going to tell you, that was as tough as any marathon I
0: did. <laughs> I say the real, well, the, the hours and just, you know, can you really sleep? I mean, can you really oh, rest? No, yeah. Absolutely not. Well, now, okay. So, and I know I'm getting off a little bit, but now the team that won, when there are only like five people on this team.
1: Oh, it, yeah. I mean, I. I think anybody that finishes is a winner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I had to look at it. I had to tell yeah. myself that.
0: that you yeah, you did. It. Yeah. You it, finished. It, it,
1: we finished. Yeah, yeah. So I had to say we won. But uh, yeah, it was this. It, it, I mean, these ultra runner type sure. guys. I mean, you know, these people, I don't even, they're silly to even look at. Uh, they're like, you know, five minute miles and right. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you know, the experience, though. The whole experience of getting beat in, in in central Kentucky around, I guess it was uh, Versailles, was it Lexington? I mean, yeah. you crossed some county lines, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and let me tell you,
1: those roads, those county
0: roads, some yeah. of those are like single-lane roads. Yeah. Not much shoulder. <laughs> no,
1: no, and if you're running at night, and we did have yeah. a couple of our teammates, that, and, and I'm sure plenty of others, that uh, didn't see where the road was. Sure, I get that. <laughs> um,
0: well, uh, okay, and, and I just had to hear about because I think that's, that's an awesome story. It's one of those – Big bucket list items, I think. But um, so it, as we close here, is there anything else you'd like to add? Because, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I really am going to uh, publicize uh, the podcast and make sure that uh, people – because I've I've started to have a good following. and it, There's just so much good information here that you provided and just insight. And uh, I like the fact that you've got your Facebook page up and going. At, will it be the city of – or, I mean, will it be Scottsville Medical Center page? It's, it's going to be devoted to
1: – Yeah, so um- – couple of easy ways to get to it is if you go out to Facebook and you just search the Medical Center at Scottsville, or if you go to www.facebook.com, the Medical Center at Scottsville, all one word, mm-hmm. it'll take you there. And then if you are ever out at the facility visiting as a patient or a family member, um, we have little cards up at the, the screening area. Uh, so either screening area that you come into, we can, you can get a card and you'll... Scan the QR code and it'll take you right to it, and you can like it, sign oh, that's up. That's cool. Yeah, be a member. And but yeah, you know, on that note, we we didn't uh, we didn't get a chance to get into a whole lot about Cal Turner, but I do want to make sure. Everybody's I do want to ask
0: you a little bit about Cal Turner because I mean that's yeah. a huge... so the kind of explain the relationship between the Cal Turner facility and the and the medical sure. center.
1: So. It's actually we're all part of the same entity, and so um, technically we are all part of Warren County Bowling Green Community Hospital, doing business as mm-hmm. the Medical Center at Scottsville, doing business as Cal Turner Rehab Specialty Care. Um, the The nice thing is, and and we all have the same. It, it's all the same team. Um, you know, it, we we have the same respiratory therapists, we have the same dietary staff, we have the same therapy staff, our imaging team, lat it's all the same. Um, but at the same time, we we need to be different in, in that, you know, we don't want, um, and when I say this, this is more internally, we don't want, for instance, our doctors treating hospital patients in, in Cal Turner and, and vice versa. You know, it's, we don't necessarily need Cal Turner residents in the hospital, but, um, but it, it's a great, great team. Uh, I will tell you, um, in, in some of the videos, when you go out to our Facebook, we had a chance to to talk to some of our uh, resident care partners and, and, and some of our staff at Cal Turner and let them tell their story. Going back to what we were saying about the rehab, um, these individuals, they build a relationship with our residents. Uh, and, and when I say that, I mean they are essentially extended family. And when you think about the past year when people haven't had visitors or are able to have their family come by, uh, th- that was their family, and, and, and they feel that way. And, and, you know, and if we ever have anybody leave, uh, you know, there's, there's a big up- sure. gap in, 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 in our lives when they do that. But, um, but, yeah, they, you know, the good thing is um, with our prevalence rate uh, across the state and um, the number of cases or lack of cases that we've seen uh, at the facility – uh, we're going to be able to start or resume uh, in-person uh, visiting visiting in, in the facility. Yeah, we and talked so,
0: about this morning the community meeting, and yeah. I hadn't missed that, and it was in the paper. But uh, so what? So that's going to start Monday, uh, it, April the twelfth.
1: It will. It'll start the twelfth, and um, it it will need to be by excuse me by appointment um, mm-hmm. because of the limitations on how many people you can sure. have in a setting. So. Uh, the easiest thing to do is just to call out to our facility and, and people can call 270-622-2833 mm-hmm. and they can ask for uh, Nikki, Nikki Welch. She's a phenomenal person. She'll coordinate the visits and uh, make sure that you get to see them. And our goal is to have everybody's family member visit at least once.
0: <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, each month.
1: So yes. um, so anyways, the the... the the care that um that our residents get um we're very fortunate we have and when i when i talk about the staff when i i mention the dietary staff the things that they do the special events that they help coordinate um i think really distinguishes cal turner from from others and and when jackie and i were talking about what our goals were um in the past years you know we understood that there's more options out there you know there's a lot of assisted living and and we talked about you know what is going to make us different and and what's going to stand out and what's going to make people, you know, want to come to our facility. And and they've done a great job with, uh, again, uh, the activities that they do. And and, and we're hoping to resume, you know, doing some activities outside of the facility, uh, but also bringing some of those events that we normally do inside the facility back. Obviously uh, she did a great job with the fundraising and and getting the courtyard up and going and, Mm -hmm. and she's getting the gazebo uh, updated so that people can use that space as well and um but no it, it's it's some of the most caring people that you'll ever have the chance to meet as far
0: as staff and, and our residents my son-in-law's dad is out there and and, oh. and so well that's an endorsement i mean you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> your own family yeah uh but I, I i did you you mentioned her but i, <clears> I, <throat> I do want to just emphasize a little bit jackie woodward yes i mean um she is a, a wonderful person for one and she's an administrator and you know, she, you can tell that she's, I mean, she's just on top of it. And she, and she enjoys her job and she likes being a part of the, you know, and you know, it's, it's just, I think that she is a, a type of person you would want yeah. at you know, running your facility or administrator.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jackie's very well known nice. um, as far as among administrators across the state. Uh, she actually, sits on the board for our um, association, our, our nonprofit oh, wow. association for leading age. Um, I sit on the board for the board of licensure for long-term care administrators. Uh, so we have a very deep commitment to long-term care and, and making sure uh, things are done well uh, at our facility. Um, but, yeah, we're we're always talking about what can we do, um, you know, to – uh, promote or, or help uh, you know the image or, or this the quality of care that we're, we're providing out there and and we do some things that um, as far as the level of care uh, that people may not realize um, we have very complex wounds when people and and let me say this over 60 percent of our residents are from Allen County but there are times when people uh, can't find placement or, or for whatever reason need need our facility And a lot of times it's related to some complex wounds or conditions, higher level of care Mm -hmm. that other facilities don't routinely take care of. And so somebody maybe needs respiratory support. We have a respiratory therapist 24-7. We have an ER immediately available. And if somebody has a need, we have our ER physician and ER staff respond to Cal Turner uh, needs down there. Uh, We have a physician that rounds down there. And and the new nurse practitioner I was talking about, she's going to start rounding down there as well. Um, So they have access to a provider more than any other facility does. Um, We talked about the food and the catering and and, and just the preferences as far as meals and what they do to accommodate those. Um, So there are so many things uh, that they're doing, and and Jackie does a phenomenal job of, of just looking
0: for new ideas, new ways to do things better. Well, the logistics of that whole facility and the hospital, I mean, everything. I mean, it's just amazing what gets done. I mean, because the thing is, it's twenty four seven, you know, and it there's no let up, there's no break, there's nothing. You, whatever you're doing, you're doing it all the time, right? Whether it's first, second, third shift, or so forth. So, uh, is there anything as we close? Uh, was there anything you'd like to add? You know, just as far as uh, in general with the medical center, yourself, you know, so forth.
1: Well, you know, I I appreciate you, uh, Mayor, and 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 the others that are part of the coalition <clears throat> when all the pandemic started. We realized that there was a lot of stuff that we didn't know, and and we we're really going to have to lean on each other and depend on, uh, you know, our whole community as far as to get through this. <clears throat> and you know, I think the relationship we have with the uh, the coalition, the community coalition, has been very important. I, I hope it's something that uh, we'll continue or figure out some format to continue that even after the pandemic, or we feel like the pandemic's behind us. Um, but you know, the other relationships we have here, uh, just like we were talking about with Halton. Uh, the Rotary Club stepped up and, and said, hey, how can we support the hospital? Um, the uh, local churches had stepped up and said, what can we do? The school systems, you know, uh, offered us support and and some equipment to help us in the beginning. But it was just amazing to see um, how the community came together. And, you know, I think um, I'd think you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to the, to the whole uh, community here in Allen County and Scottsville, to you.
0: And the other leaders
1: in the community to help help us all get through
0: this. Yeah, I think Scott Williams at the you know he's headed the uh, community uh, coalition and and I and I'm like you, I really hope that in some form it stays because you know the diversity of the members of that uh, coalition is, is it, it affects all the uh, different uh, business professions and all so forth in, in in the city and, and the county, uh, you know, with uh, the medical community and, and of course uh, education and then our local governments and. I think that the communication among that group has been really well. And I think that we, in the long run, will learn uh, to continue on and make things better, you know, with some planning and so forth. In general, once we get through kind of uh, the pandemic type of, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> when when we think about just um, other things that we need to do, and, and you were talking about, you know, the opportunities with different uh, – different agencies whether or not you know new businesses uh, are looking to come to town how we can collaborate and coordinate and ensure that you know whatever questions they have whether it's regarding education or regarding health care mm-hmm. or regarding you know um, just you know our internal um, uh, resources I, I think it would be real important for that group to to help uh, you know support
0: people look for quality life and right. I think that you know where Allen County and Scott is now is we're on the right track you know we're we're moving toward 231, of course, but, uh, you know, we still have our existing uh, uh, facilities and so forth. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's all a part of a puzzle. And I think that, obviously, the medical community and having a hospital and a, a, a such a facility as Cal Turner is a huge, huge plus uh, for uh, this area. I guess people tend to retire and come back here and so forth. So, okay, well, listen, I, I want to really uh, thank you. Uh, for uh, spending uh, the time with me today and explaining, I think people are really going to appreciate the information. And you, uh, you have a great weekend, and uh, try to get your miles in if it doesn't, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> if it doesn't rain. Or yeah, right. yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I, uh, you made this uh, thirty minutes, that, which is typically longer than my three minutes. A lot yeah. easier than well, I
0: actually, it. <laughs> it's a little bit more. It's, we're at fifty-seven minutes oh, now. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> hey, look, I just put you at cover, just let you go because I mean That's the right. thing is, there's no time limit on it, but it, it's just so much good information, and you know. I I just I really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I don't know you may have an appointment you you know missed, but anyway, uh-huh. I really appreciate it. Okay. Well thank, thank you very much. Have a good you. weekend. You too. All right.